It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. The following is a post time with Mike and Mike production. Coming up third, Liz Bird up the inside. Rock Diamond, wow! Four of them. Here is Rock Diamond and Mitchell Cushing. They win the gold cup in soccer. It's American history trying to dig in on the outside endeavor. Tuned in to the official podcast of the Sport of Harness Racing Post Time with Mike and Mike, with your host Mike Carter, and number one thousand for the third time, Aaron Merriman wins, and Mike Bozich. Down to the finish, turning a game winning the Betsy Ross over Caviar Alley at Apple Bottom Jeans one forty nine and two unbelievable. Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America and the USDA. Mike Bozich flying solo here today. Mike Carter just getting back from Florida, just getting back from the Dan Patch Awards and uh, the Amateur Driving Championship and uh, doing his rounds down there, rounds at the training center. So we're going to give Mike Carter a well-deserved day off as he drove all the way uh, from Florida back to the Ohio area yesterday so we'll uh yeah have mike carter back on the show next week but a great show coming up here for you today on this edition of post time with mike and mike presented by bet america and the usda the 2019 dan patch amateur driver of the year jasmine arnold and boy she is uh, taking the driving world by storm especially uh, in the amateur ranks certainly uh, bigger and better await her in the future. She is making her post time with Mike and Mike debut. She's going to be joining us here in just a few minutes to talk about what it meant to her to win that award. And of course, what's uh, the future holds for her plus a very good article. And we're going to go into this a little bit more in depth around 1045. Dave Briggs, the managing editor of a uh, hardest racing update penned a beauty, a great article back on the February 16th edition uh, of HRU. It's called Nine Ways Horse Racing Can Retain Slot Revenue. And you know an article's good when you have to go back and read it a couple of times uh, just to kind of get a sense of uh, what the article says. It's that deep of an article. It's a great, great article. And I think with all the things going on right now in the state of Pennsylvania uh, and some other jurisdictions, I definitely think it's a timely article. So Dave Briggs is going to break it down for us. If you haven't had a chance to read it, if you want to check it out before Dave comes on the program at 1045, you can do so uh, on the HRU website. Just go back to uh, February 16th, that article. It's a great one. And we're going to talk to Dave a little bit more about that. Plus, the communications and content manager at Woodbine Mohawk, Mark McKelvey. Our guy is going to be joining us 
uh, the Mohawk Millions. What a great, great initiative uh, in the sport of harness racing, kind of taken after the, the Pegasus Cup. It's a two-year-old a trotting event, which will take place on September 26, 2020. Uh, but it's just filled. And we're going to talk to Mark McKelvey a little bit about that. Plus, uh, they, uh, the Woodbine Mohawk team won the Sam McKee Broadcasting Award this past Sunday in Florida. They do fantastic work up there. So we're going to talk to uh, Mark about what it means to them to get that award and uh, a lot more on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America, the USDA. Jasmine Arnold is in the on-deck circle, the 2019 Dan Patch Amateur Driver of the Year. And we're going to hear from her next on Post Time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America and the USDA. Back in a moment. Join Harness Racing's hottest and most affordable fractional group, Winner's Circle Racing. Winner's Circle Racing provides the total harness racing experience from the barn to the paddock all the way to the Winner's Circle. Come invest with us and experience 100% of the thrills at a fraction of the cost. For more information, visit WinnersCircleRacing.net. That's WinnersCircleRacing.net. Here comes the charging moa, charging hard at odds of 60 to 1. Harness Horse Youth Foundation has the power to bring a life-changing experience to any child. We introduce youth to the horses and skills that build confidence, friendships, and a lifelong love of harness racing. The Harness Horse Youth Foundation has been a positive influence in the lives of thousands of young people since 1976. Check out the complete list of Harness Horse Youth Foundation camps and activities at hhyf.org. That's hhyf.org. Winback Farm of Ontario is proud to welcome four exciting new stallions for 2020. Jamie Freight, the 2018 O'Brien Award winner, and the winner of the Dayton Pacing Derby and Mohawk Gold Cup. Nick Wicked, the 2018 Horse of the Year in U.S. and Canada, the richest pacing stallion in harness racing history. Stag Party is the 2018 O'Brien Award winner, and the winner of the Metro Pace. And the Bank, son of two millionaires, Donato Hanover and Lantern Kronos, and a Breeders' Crown and Stanley Dancer champion. For more information, visit winbackfarm.com. That's winbackfarm.com. back on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America and the USTA. Mike Bozich flying solo here today. Mike Carner getting a well-deserved day off after a whirlwind trip through the state of Florida. And right now we are joined by the 2019 Dan Patch Amateur Driver of the Year. Jasmine Arnold joins us on the program. Jasmine, first of all, congratulations on the award. But before we get into the award, I got a question about your nickname. <laughs> the little, okay. the the little, the little flower. Where did that come from? <laughs> uh, that's a great question. I uh, ask myself that about every time I read an article. <laughs> uh, one of the no. writers actually <laughs> gave that to us. Okay, okay, that wasn't a John Manzi deal. That was a John Manzi deal. <laughs> I figured that. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> no question about it. When I saw that, I had had John Pansy written all over it. But uh, nonetheless, oh, yeah. uh, you—I'll tell you what—59 trips to the uh, 59 trips out onto the racetrack. Jasmine, 23 wins, 10 seconds, five thirds. I mean, a, a UDR of 5.12. I mean, uh, certainly a well-deserved award. But uh, did you? When you first got started, and I know you kind of had to get talked into driving, but tell us kind of how you first got started and what kind of uh, give you the driving bug. Uh, well, I first got started um, in the ladies' driving series here in Ohio at the county fairs. Um, my dad and my boyfriend, Adam Short, they were all like, oh, go do it. You know, you drive and, or you train all the time. 
why not drive? I'm like, hey, you know, that's a good idea. So we got out there, and um, I did very, very well the first couple starts, and I'm like, hey, this is awesome. <laughs> like, this is something maybe I want to do. Like, it's awesome to win, right? So um, they kind of really encouraged me, and I just kept going from there. You had your first paramutual uh, drive at the Scioto uh, back in September. Tell us uh, kind of what was going through your mind. Tell us a little bit about the butterflies. I know there had to be butterflies. <laughs> uh, yeah, there was. Actually, I believe it was my uncle's horse. Uh, P.L. Haymaker was the horse's name. Uh, he had just came off a layoff, and um, they. my uncle always told me, listen, he's rank, blah, blah, blah just take care of him, see what you can do. I'm like, okay, <laughs> here I am, 5'2". I don't, there's not much to me, but um, I qualified him the week before. He qualified 54 uh, right on the front. He was super good. They were like, hey, he hasn't went 54 in two years. Like, this is great. You drive him. I'm like, man, I don't really want to drive. But I was like, okay, I'll, I'll drive him. So um, it was a little nerve-wracking, to be honest with you. He, uh, he's a real big horse. And I'm, like I said, I'm 5'2". So when I went out there, you know, the race bike is hooked all the way out. And he, he's just ginormous. You can't really see around him. I could see him between his legs, and that's the best I had. And my uncle told me, do what you got to do. I said, okay. So um, I dropped in the two-hole, and unfortunately that was not uh, – he didn't show up that day. So we didn't do very well my first term mutual drive. But it was – you can't win them all. Visiting with Jasmine Arnold. Jasmine, what's the difference, in your opinion, now that you've driven um, against the amateurs and against the pros? What's the biggest difference, you think, uh, driving against the the two flight of competitors are? Uh, I think driving with the pros, um, they obviously drive as professionals. Uh, uh, They give you holes. They don't... um, they don't keep you parked out the entire mile. They don't go wicked fractions. Um, those boys are professionals for a reason. Um, with the amateurs, they kind of, everybody's for themselves, if that makes sense. Uh, it's like a cutthroat out there on the track. I and mean, when you get off the track, everybody's your best friend, which is the, that's one of the best things about it. Um, it's, it's really hard to drive with the amateurs because when you drive with the professionals, you always think, okay, um, I'm going to leave hard. I'll just get in a hole. Well, when you do that with the amateurs, there's no hole to get. So you're stuck. If you can't get to the front, you're either parked and sit there or you try to go to the front. Most of the time, nine times out of ten, they're not letting you go. Visiting with Jasmine Arnold. And, you know, I'll tell you that's a great point because it's it's kind of like playing poker. If you're at a poker table with professional poker players, it actually can be easier in a lot of sense than playing against people that don't know what they're doing. They could be more dangerous. They could be playing cards that, you know, shouldn't be played and end up burning and winning in the end. But that's a different story. But uh, tell us, let's look ahead to the future a little bit, Jasmine. Let's talk about maybe 5, 10, 15 years down the road. Where do you see yourself then? And uh, what would be a dream race for you to win? If you had one big race to win, what would that be? Oh, that's, (laughs) I've never drove trotters until this year. Uh, Herman and Morgan Hagerman, they kind of encouraged me to drive trotters. And I think it would be great um, to win a race like the Hamiltonian, but you don't ever see girls driving that. So um, I think that would probably be uh, one of my top picks, to be honest with you. No question about it. And, uh, you know, that's another good point that you that you bring up. I mean, it's kind of no secret that, you know, we're in a male-dominated sport. And, uh, you know, the likes of you and Hannah Millen, if you go back a ways, of course, Joanne Looney King and, and B. Farber-Erdman and, and some of those great lady drivers, Jackie and Grassi, she's in her 70s, and she'll, she's still uh, pretty much a regular driver here. Ryan announced at Harris, Philadelphia. What are some of the challenges that you view uh, maybe as a woman – trying to make it in a male-dominated sport, especially driving-wise? Um, I think definitely with driving with the male-dominant sport, it is very um, – if you're not confident, I don't think you're going to make it, to be honest with you. Um, confidence is key, I believe. If you don't think that you can go out there and drive with the boys, you're already, you already beat yourself before you got to the racetrack. Um, 
a lot of the boys here, especially in Ohio, I know them very well, and they all haggle me. They all give me a very, very hard time. Um, but I think they do that for support as well. Deep down inside, I think they're doing it um, to help me, to make me stronger as a person. Um, I think that's that's the best I got. <laughs> so far, and before we let you go, I'll, I'll end it with this. Uh, I'm sure you've probably gotten advice from a lot of different people. What's the best piece of advice that you've gotten so far about driving a horse? Um, I would say I got that from my father. He always told me to be confident, and when you make a move, you make it. Don't think about it. If you think about it, you're already beat. So that's, that's probably the best advice I've got. All right. Well, Jasmine, listen, we certainly appreciate you joining us. Uh, certainly fun watching you win all those races at a 512 UDR. And uh, we're certainly looking forward to good things from you in the future. Jasmine, we appreciate you joining us today. Thank you. Have a good day. He is the 2019 Dan Patch Amateur Driver of the Year Award winner. And uh, I'll tell you what, she's certainly turned a lot of heads with that robust UDR. And uh, I'll tell you, it's only going to get better from here. Still a lot less, lots left to come on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America and the USTA. Excited about our next guest. He's been on the show a couple of times, but they're really excited about the topic that we're going to talk to him about is the managing editor of HRU, Dave Briggs. And we're going to talk to him about his article that he penned on February 16th, edition Nine Ways Horse Racing Can Retain Slot Revenue. Plus, Mark McKelvey towards the top of the hour. We've got first time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America and the USTA. Back in a moment. Mike Bozich, along with Mike Carter, for Pacing for the Cure. Do you or someone you love with multiple sclerosis have a difficult time paying for your MS medications or need medical equipment such as a lift chair or scooter to help with your mobility needs? Pacing for the Cure can help. Please visit the pacingforthecure.org website and complete the mobility aid application or contact Jeff at pacingforthecure.org. If eligible, you may receive funding. Mike are you a harness racing trainer or driver? Please join the list of those who pledged in 2018 for the $1 per win challenge. The 2019 challenge has begun in wins tally from January 1st through November 30th. For the drivers and trainers that are currently participating in the challenge and donate $100, they will receive a Pacing for the Cure long sleeve t-shirt or baseball cap. For a $250 donation, the driver or trainer will receive two tickets to the annual party. If you are interested in joining the challenge, please email Jeff at pacingforthecure.org. Thank you, drivers and trainers. Hey, racing fans, we all know the ride begins well before the starting gate. Stay warmed up around the clock at PennHorseRacing.com, your home for all things harness and thoroughbred racing. PennHorseRacing.com gives you the inside track on betting, industry events, breeding, news, and more. You know, everything that'll give you an edge come post up. Visit PennHorseRacing.com today. Brought to you by the Pennsylvania Horse Racing Association. Gambling property call 1-800-GAMBLER. Southern Oaks has been the winter home of many great horses competing in several different stakes programs. It's home to leading trainers such as Irv Miller, John Shane, Eddie Lohmeyer, and Ian Moore, just to name a few. The farm is conveniently located within 45 minutes of both the Orlando Airport and Daytona Beach in sunny Florida. Southern Oaks, arguably the best training surface in all of Florida, has stalls for rent for the winter season. For more information, visit southernoakstraining.com. That's southernoakstraining.com. We're back on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America and the USTA. Mike Bozich flying solo here today. Mike Carter taking a much-deserved week off. He'll be back on next week's program. Don't forget Mark McKelvey coming up towards the top of the hour. Communications and content manager at Woodbine Mohawk. Going to talk about the Mohawk Millions, which filled 
recently. Can't wait. I think that's a tremendous, tremendous concept. Of course, kind of taken a little bit off of the uh, Pegasus Cup uh, over the past couple of years, but uh, it's a very, very interesting thing, and we're going to talk to Mark about that. But first, it is the managing editor of Harness Racing up that it update. It's our good friend Dave Briggs joining the program right now. Dave, how are you? Good morning, Mike. How are you? Doing fantastic. And uh, listen, you've <laughs> multiple award winner. You've uh, you wrote a lot of great articles uh, in your career, but this one that appears on the February in the February sixteenth of HRU, I think is amongst your best work because it is so, so important, especially considering what's going on right now in the state of Pennsylvania. And that is the article that uh, is entitled nine ways horse racing can retain slot revenue. And this is kind of taken from your experience, what you've learned, you had a a kind of a a front row seat to what happened uh, in Ontario. Um, But the first question I'm going to ask you, basically you make nine points Nine very solid points, but I'm going to start all the way down at number nine because I think that a lot of times individuals in the business don't view it this way. And I got to admit, when I got down to number nine, that was kind of a blast of reality. That hurt a little bit, but it's true. Horse racing is not viewed as critical in comparison to a lot of other, you know, political initiatives like healthcare, education, taxes, infrastructure, so forth and so on. Talk to us a little bit about that statement. Yeah, and that's a painful one for me too because I love the game and and I love the people in it and I know how hard they work and I you know, but, but that's part of the challenge is when somebody is devoting 18-hour days or 22-hour days or whatever it is to those horses and those racetracks, uh, it's hard to see outside of that world. So it's hard to see outside your shed row because that's what you see every day. So I don't blame people for thinking that this is something of value. Of course it's of value. It's a fantastic industry. There's fantastic people in it. But what you need to do sometimes is take yourself out of your situation, no matter what it is, and walk down the street and ask people what they know about harness racing or you know, ask your neighbors how much they know about harness racing. And I think you'll be surprised how few people know much or anything about it, and that's their political challenge. So when you start involving politicians and you start involving, in some cases, taxpayer money, in some cases, deals directly with casinos that were orchestrated by politicians who allowed that to happen in the first place. You have to understand that now you're dealing with politicians who, to the general public, there are much bigger issues. Just like you said, there's health care, there's taxes, there's education, there's all of these things resonate just with more people. That's just a fact. Um, So you have to then understand that going in that we're politically vulnerable, that we're you know, very easy for them to go in and try and take all this money away. Even in Pennsylvania, where they've done tremendous amount of good work to try and put it in a trust fund, educate the politicians, they took care of some of the, you know, other points on my list there. Um, You're still always going to come back to a governor might say, well, education is more important than horse racing. And on the surface, to the total number of people in the state, that's probably true. It doesn't mean that there aren't a tremendous number of jobs and benefit back to agriculture of this industry. Of course there are. It just means the average person doesn't know enough about this behind it and support it. So that's our job is to, to educate them. And Dave, that is the big worry because, uh, you know, especially in today's age where people just read headlines and they just look at covers of books and they don't bother to dig down in, I guarantee you, if you, if you go out into a, a if you go out to Times Square and you ask 50 people, where do you want your tax dollars to go to horse racing or to education? It's going to be 50 to nothing. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and it, it's sad. I wish it wasn't true, but I could walk down the streets of London, Ontario, which is close to my home, and ask people if they know who John Campbell is. And John Campbell was born in that area, and he's a superstar of our sport. And if I'm, I'm, I'd be lucky if I got one out of 25 who, who know who he is, and he's in the London Sports Hall of Fame. Uh, you know, and that's unfortunate, but, you know, that's our challenge. That's where we have to, you know, grow the game, but also grow its its, its 
the awareness in the general public of it and the good that it does, the agricultural component, the number of jobs. And it's not just the people directly in the business. It's all the ancillary jobs that are related to it, the guys who you know, build the trailers or fix the trailers or grow the hay. Or you, know the, you know the story. So it's not just people directly involved. It's a, there's so many jobs related to it. And we have to keep telling that story over and over again. Visiting with the managing editor of HRU, Dave Briggs. Uh, go back to that February 16th article that Dave wrote, Nine Ways Horse Racing Can Retain Slot Revenue. Dave, um, not really going to go through all the points uh, because I think the article is pretty self-explanatory. Um, but there is a general point, I think, that you make throughout the article, and that is horse racing has to – and we just talked about it a little bit – how horse racing has to prove to the general public – and to the politicians, that it is just bigger than horses going around the racetrack. Oh, that's absolutely true. And that you know, they, um, you, everybody who gets any kind of benefit from this industry, you know, even if it's only you know a partial benefit of providing grow other things, you know, needs to speak up and say that you know my job depends on this industry. Um, so yes, it's 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 speak up and be counted, and and one of the things that uh, you know the the Pennsylvania Equine Coalition recommended is everybody take a moment and go and meet with your representatives. Go book a meeting and tell them in person in the office. Take take a part of your day and do that because it's critical. Uh, I know that happened in Ontario, but it probably happened too late, and when things started to go toward the end of the slot program. I know tons of people who, you know, directly in the business or are only partly connected to the business who met with their local politicians and said, you know, we depend on this. This is important. And and do that because I don't think, you know, they don't understand it. They, they, they're, they're dealing with issues, a thousand different issues, and they're dealing with what's going to get me the most votes or keep me in, you know, in this position. So you have to tell them that this is important in our region. Point number three in your uh, nine-point article uh, is make gamblers true partners. And uh, I think, um, you know, gamblers, a lot of times, I think we in the industry forget how important that they are, especially now that racing is so dependent on slot revenue. How do we go about making gamblers true partners and making them feel more important? Well, that's tricky, of course, because there's such a diverse group, right? There's so many different kinds of gamblers, and they have so many different opinions, and they've had so many different experiences. But I think we can start by this industry. We often talk about two parts, the participants, when that goes all the way from the breeders right up through the trainer drivers and everybody in between, to the racetrack. It seems like there's a simplistic two parts to it, uh, and and. I don't know where we got off track, but we forgot about our customers. Um, and it doesn't mean everybody does that. Some 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 tracks are better than others. Some some horse people groups are better than others at, at, at recognizing the gamblers. But I think it starts with a mindset change. Of we always have to be thinking everything we do. How is this going to play with these people? And then every track has, you know, people who are ha- have an expertise in the gambling side of fair mutual wagering that you can consult. So I think if you just put the word out there that we care about your opinion, we want to hear from you. We'll give you a seat at the table. We'll meet with you. We'll discuss things. And we will try to give back, you know, try to give you some of what you want. Or if it's not going to work on your own, explain why we do the things we do. Because I think sometimes racetracks hide behind, you know, we made a decision. There was a reason behind it, but they don't explain that decision as to why takeout is what it is or you know, we don't offer this kind of wager. And oftentimes, if you explain it to the to the gamblers, they may be more on your side or at least work with you to try and find a suitable solution to improve things. Once again, visiting with Dave Briggs from HRU. Dave, I want to touch on point four for a little bit because I think this is very important. I have to tell you, I've read a million articles about ways to kind of save our sport or ways to preserve our sport in a lot of situations. And uh, this is something that this is the first time I've read this and I've always been a big fan of it is charity trying to, uh, you know, donate to different charities, trying to get charities involved. Um, and 
and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna quote this from your article. Um, I often wonder if the SARP program would still exist if Ontario's horse racing industry had from the start directed a percentage of the money to help build a children's hospital named something like the Ontario Horse Racing Children's Hospital and perhaps a school named the Ontario Horse Racing Institute. That is really, really good stuff, and you're reaching out to a base that would not, would not know that we're here if we do stuff like right. that. Right, who doesn't want to have a great children's hospital in their region and help children? You know, it's so powerful. This is an idea that came from Charlie Jorvensky, and Charlie Jorvensky built Flamborough Downs with some partners and was a very, you know, a very colorful, people don't know Charlie, very colorful uh, racetrack manager. From And when Charlie sold Flamborough Downs, he then devoted many, many millions. I don't even know what he's up to, but it's millions and millions of dollars to donating to cancer care in Hamilton, Ontario. And he said when he sold it, you know, these are the things that we need to do. And it always resonated with me. And I can only imagine had we, from the beginning of the Ontario Slots program, helped build a children's hospital and said, okay, we want the naming rights. It has to say Ontario Horse Racing or something to that. Horse Racing has to be in the title. Would politicians have turned around and said, we're taking this money to give it to healthcare? It was a complete, it was what they said, mm-hmm. and it was a complete lie at the time here. But there's no way they could justify that because everyone would know, but don't they have a hospital, right? Um, so anything like that, that's a pretty big-scale project, I understand. And, and I understand people need this money in the industry. So it's not specifically the idea, but I'll give you a smaller idea. Clinton Raceway, which you know, does a tremendous job on a small-track basis in Ontario of involving a local charity every weekend. They race just on Sundays in the summer. And every weekend, there's a different charity they're benefiting in their community. So it goes from the Legion Hall to the hospital to sports programs to the – they touch so many people. And in turn, those people give back to Clinton Raceway and know it exists and know it's a big part of their community. So even on a very small level, all tracks can look and say, hey, we're going to have a charity partner this week uh, or this weekend one time a week or a couple times a month and say we're going to give back to the community and we want to get these different groups out at our track and expose them to a sport. So it's a win-win for everyone. You're giving back to your community, and you're getting them to understand these are great community partners, these racetracks. Look at what they're doing. So you're, you're building some fans that will help back you when politicians come and say, no, 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 they shouldn't have this money. Somebody else should have this money. You're helping to build some allies. One final question, Dave, before we let you go, and we'll jump to point eight, and I'll give you a little bit of a brief example. Back in, uh, I believe it was 2011, um, or maybe it was sooner. It might have been 2009, 2010 when uh, I was in Michigan, and we really started cutting race days um, when we were getting no help from politicians, and we had just they had just dissolved the racing commission and that we just got, uh, we at that time were put under the Michigan gaming control board, which absolutely knew nothing about racing. They're basically the casino board. And uh, I'll never forget the racing commission meeting. We came in, it was the harness people, the thoroughbred people, the breeders, uh, the quarter horse people, this faction, that faction. And uh, after about 20 minutes, the uh, director of the gaming board said, listen, when you guys get all your crap together, come back. In other words, all the wheels were spinning in a different direction. We had no unity, and that's to your point, number eight, speak with one resounding positive voice. So important that horse racing, all of the horse racing faction, factions get on the same page when we're addressing our legislators. Oh, absolutely. And, and the crazy part is, here in Ontario, the politicians told us this. They told us this from the very beginning, and we still had some trouble with it. Now, listen – the only reason we got slots in Ontario in the first place was because we spoke with one voice. We had a group called ARIA, the Ontario Horse Racing Industry Association, which did represent all factions in some manner. It wasn't perfect. Nothing ever is. And the remnants of that are essentially what Ontario racing is today. There are people seated at the table who represent different factions in the industry. And then the Ontario racing's people can go to the government and speak. They tell us this. I mean, if you think of any other industry, uh, you know, they don't go to politicians with 15 different groups who have different interests and different opinions about their industry and lobby them. They all get together and say, we got to work together to, you know, whether it's the auto industry or healthcare or 
whatever it is, you have to – they don't understand our industry. And so when one person comes in representing the breeders and one comes in representing a racetrack and another comes in representing the horse people, uh, it confuses them more. It makes it worse. They go, well, why don't these people like tell us what they want? They all want different things. I don't understand it. So you have to have – we're going to have everybody that's racetracks too, that's horse people. The breeders are going to have to give up a tiny bit at the table to get a better result for them. That's where the compromise is. Have your battles at your whatever group represents you, whether it's the Equine Coalition of Pennsylvania or Ontario Racing. They all kind of – most places have some group that sort of represents most parts. So try to be as inclusive as you can. Sort out your differences at that table and say, what are we going to go forward and tell the public and what are we going to tell politicians? Because they can't take more than one group coming to them. And they, they also would like you to be a little grateful if there's some money coming their way. I find that's critical too. If you go to a politician and complain, oh, this racetrack did this with this money. These horse people are not, you know, doing the right thing with their share. No, don't do that. Just be positive and try to – they're giving you millions of dollars in some cases, and they feel, you know, a little bit of, you know, thank you, and here's how we think we can make this work better for everyone. That's, that's, That's the way to approach it, I think. Good stuff. Well, Dave, listen, we certainly appreciate you joining us, my friend. Once again, it's the February 16th uh, edition of Harness Racing Update. You can go to harnessracingupdate.com. Uh, it's back on page two now, right on the front page, but uh, it's called Nine Ways Horse Racing Can Retain Slot Revenue, uh, and it's a great, great article. Like I said, Dave, when you got it's kind of like a movie. When you got to go back and read the article a couple of different times, <laughs> you know it's a good one. Dave, we appreciate you, buddy. I appreciate that. Thanks, thanks Mike. Yeah, pleasure to join you. All right, that was Dave Briggs, Managing Editor of Harness Racing Update. So lots left to come on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America and the USTA. Communications and Content Manager of Woodbine Mohawk, Mark McKelvey, is in the on-deck circle. We're talking Mohawk Millions, and we're also going to talk about the McKee Broadcasting Award, which was won by the Woodbine Mohawk Television Department. You've got Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by the USTA. Back in a moment. Are you interested in learning more about owning standard bred racehorses? Do you want to experience the excitement of driving a standard bred? Owning a racehorse is a -a once-in-a-lifetime experience and not as difficult as you may think. The United States Trotting Association wants to help make your ownership dreams a reality. Contact a member of the Ownership Concierge team by email at owners at ustrotting.com or by calling 877-800-8782, extension 5555. Winback at Delaware's Stallion lineup offers 12 proven stallions for the first state. Classic Carn Shark is a proven sire of stakes winners. He is a full brother to both Better's Delight and Roll with Joe. Roddy's Bags Again is the sire of multiple DSBF final winners, including $675,000 winner Perfect Bags. I'm Linda Cascano. I was the trainer of Hudson Bluechip for his whole career, and I have nothing but good things to say about Heston. He was a professional horse from the day he started. Heston Bluechip is the sire of multiple stakes winners, including 2019 New York Sire Stakes champion and $980,000 winner Zero Tolerance. For more information on stallions, including breeding contracts, visit winbackfarm.com. Join Harness Racing's hottest and most affordable fractional group, Winner's Circle Racing. Winner's Circle Racing provides the total harness racing experience from the barn to the paddock all the way to the Winner's Circle. Come invest with us and experience 100% of the thrills at a fraction of the cost. For more information, visit WinnersCircleRacing.net. That's WinnersCircleRacing.net. Here comes the charging MOA, charging hard at odds of 6 minutes. All right, it's always a party when we're joined by our next guest. He is the communications and content manager at Woodbine Mohawk, the one and only, the very busy Mark McKelvey, taking time out of his schedule to join us. Mark, how are you? I'm doing wonderful. How are things? 
certainly fantastic. Uh, you guys uh, humming right along. And let's talk a little bit about the Mohawk Millions. I've gotten a lot of questions about this particular race, and it filled recently. And uh, this is kind of uh, taken off, I think, in terms of interest. And it's, uh, it's different, and it's new, and I'm hoping we see more races like this. Tell us a little bit about the Mohawk Millions for people maybe that don't know what the heck we're talking about. Yeah, of course. Um, it is a, an interesting concept, not not um, completely new. It's been done uh, on the thoroughbred side, but um, it had been talked about on the standardbred side and, and a couple of different uh, versions of it. And, um, you know, we've stepped up last year and announced uh, just before the yearling sales that we were going to offer the Mohawk Million, which is a million-dollar race for two-year-old trotters. And uh, unlike your typical event where you'd make your stake payments and then enter for an elimination and try and qualify for the final there's 10 spots in the race. Nine of them were available for purchase, and they were priced at $110,000. The 10th and final spot is going to go to the winner of the William Wellwood Memorial. So, of course, uh, it was really important back in the fall for us to announce this before the yearling sales. And, um, you know, you want to get that word out there to the owners that there is an opportunity for, especially the ones that are going to the sales looking to buy the high-priced yearlings, that they have an opportunity to turn around and, and race in a million-dollar event. Um, and, of course, we did see a uh, million dollars uh, for a couple of yearlings at, at the sales. So, um, of course, uh, it's a big investment, maybe not for everyone. And, of course, that was why we looked to finding a way that someone who maybe didn't purchase a slot um, still had an opportunity to be in this event. And that was uh, a big reason behind uh, making the 10th spot go to the winner of the William Wellwood Memorial. So, I can imagine those uh, few weeks in September, it's going to be a lot of fun um, as we see who the horses are heading towards the Mohawk Million, and maybe we'll get that great storyline where you get the sort of the rags-to-riches story of, of somebody who pulls off the win in the Wellwood and gets a chance to race for a million. And, you know, one of the interesting things about this, uh, kind of uh, once again after the Pegasus Cup, is that you can sell your stake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that is. Uh, I think you know. I, I have, we haven't announced the list yet. Uh, who purchased the slots? Uh, that'll come out uh, likely in the next week. And I think there'll be some folks who, when they see the names, wonder: Are, are those people that bought a slot to race a two-year-old trotter, or did they buy that slot with the intention of potentially making a deal? And uh, like like you right. said, um, when you buy the slot, you don't have to declare your horse until draw time, uh, and that will be on the Tuesday prior to the Mohawk Million. So. There can be a lot of wheeling and dealing that can go on. There can be deals that can be cut, and uh, it'll be a lot of fun and, and very fascinating, I think. I think it'll get a lot of buzz going. Visiting with Mark McKelvey, the communications and content manager of Woodbine Mohawk. Mark, uh, this is, uh, you know, like you said, it's, it's, it's fairly new, but it's not totally new. Do you see, do you see this kind of uh, having a snowball effect? Or do you think we'll see more of these races as time goes on? Well, I can say that, you know, we wouldn't be going down this path if we didn't think this could become an event that could be hosted annually. Um, It is going to, you know, it's going to be tough. I think uh, what we have to do is we have to show that there is value in in these events. I think the breeders would definitely support it. I think owners who have purchased a slot, we're going to make sure that they get uh, the most incredible experience. Uh, And that's going to start from right when we announce uh, who has purchased the slots right up until, until the race. So, uh, you know, depending on what your result is, you know, we like to think that when people walk away, um, they will see that, uh, again, they got their money's worth in a sense and um, that this is good for the sport. This is how we can grow our industry and that we can put a, a very high value on our game. And I think if you know if we don't respect our game um, and put big values on it, um, nobody else will. So, you know, we have to be the ones that understand that we've got an amazing product. And, um, again, it's I think the people that have stepped up and purchased these slots, um, these are ones who are a lot of uh, forward thinkers in our industry and uh, I think if they're putting their money up for this, then uh, I think we've got something here. And, and I look forward to, to working with all of them uh, to profile those owners and, uh, again, to show off um, what we've got in our game. And, and these are a lot of great people. So we'll look forward to telling those stories down the road. Visiting with Mark McKelvey from Woodbine Mohawk. Now, Mark, you guys, uh, I think, have really done well uh, since the harness racing has come to you guys year-round from Woodbine. Uh, you guys have had a really good run of it. You've had some uh, really good high-five jackpots. Uh, you guys have been doing really, really well handle-wise. Uh, tell us about how you guys uh, have been doing and how the you know how everything's kind of uh, panned out since harness racing's come from Woodbine and to you guys on a full-time basis. 
Yeah, it's. Um, I would think it's gone fantastic. Uh, I know that the reception from a lot of the horse people has been great. I think a lot of the customers as well. Um, and of course, we've seen that with our handle. Um, you know, right now you look at um, what our pools are on a nightly basis. I, I think the growth uh, of our pick five has just been uh, a lot of fun mm-hmm. to watch. You know, you're, you're looking at a pick early pick five that starts on race one every night and uh, is routinely going over a hundred grand in the pool. So um, the support's been there, and I think we're continuing to grow. Uh, our horse players. Um, I think we're definitely attracting new players as we go along, and that's, uh, you know, that's something everybody needs. You know, we can't uh, just rely on what we have. We need to expand. And um, I think the racing at Mohawk year-round, um, you know, you have to find. You'll find that you get consistency. At the same time, though, you have to make sure that your product doesn't get stale. And I think a couple of the things we've tried in recent uh, months uh, have been well received. Whether that's moving uh, post 10 to the second tier, I think uh, there's a lot of fans of that. Uh, we tried the distance races, and, and uh, for now those uh, aren't happening anymore, but that's not to say those couldn't come back. So uh, I think, like like I said, um, we've been well-received racing on Milwaukee around, but, again, can't let your product get stale, and we're always looking for uh, new ways to continue to spice it up. And, Mark, uh, speaking of spicing it up, uh, you guys have uh, got a well-deserved award at the Dan Patch uh, Awards Dinner uh, down in Florida. You guys uh, won the McKee Broadcasting Award when we've talked about it at length, both on and off the air, how important production is, how important your signal is in the, in the TV broadcast, uh, especially when it's going out to, you know, OTBs, where a lot of times when you got a bank of TVs, people are going to look for the sharpest and best signal that catches the eye. And, and uh, I know you guys uh, have to be excited, but i got to tell you, it's a well, well-deserved award, Mark. Well, thank you. And again, we have an amazing broadcast team. I said about the awards on, on Sunday night. I think we have the best, and um, they uh, definitely deserve this honor. Uh, this was uh, the award, the, the Sam McKee um, Memorial Award. That one we received for uh, a piece done on Bold Eagle that aired during the British right. Crown broadcast. And, and as yep. you talked about, um, you know, you're trying to catch everyone's attention uh, with your simulcast signal and, and, you know, on a nightly basis, our, from our producer, Luke Van Belkum, to our on-air talent and Monique Fagg and Chad Rosema, Jason Portwando, they just do incredible work. And this crew that's getting recognized for this award is the ones that worked on, on our uh, national broadcast. Um, you know, we're lucky here in Canada that we can uh, work out a deal to, to air some of our marquee races on TSN. And um, when you get those opportunities, you know, we need to hit it out of the park. And, and that's exactly what they did. So, you know, I, I definitely have to take a moment just to recognize uh, those that worked on the on the broadcast and on this piece, uh, specifically Phil McSween, Gage Fletcher, David Syrie, and Jason Vanderzee. Uh, they just did incredible work. And uh, like you said, um, this, your simulcast signal is so important. And I, I'm really looking forward to this next year because I got a lot of ideas that I throw at our broadcast team. And Sometimes you get some funny looks, but uh, I know what they can do, and I know we have these great resources, so we just have to continue to use them to, to our uh, full capabilities. You know, I'll tell you what, one of the things I love about you guys is you're not afraid to try things. And listen, hey, there's going to be things that you're going to try that aren't going to work. But you know what? There's going to be a lot of things that you try that are going to work. And, uh, you know, who knows? A lot of times uh, it could be trendsetting in the business. And, and uh, certainly we uh, need that in harness racing. Mark, listen, I appreciate you joining us, my friend. Best of luck to you guys up there. And I'm sure we'll, uh, we'll be checking in on you quite a few times this season. Absolutely. Thank you very much. All right, that was Mark McKelvey, the communications and content manager of Woodbine Mohawk. Man, they just they do an outstanding job up there. I mean, they really, really do. It's a fun product to watch, fun product to uh, to wager on, and, and they're just getting it done up north of the border. We're going to wrap this thing up. You've got First Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America and the USTA. Back in a moment. From the edge of your seat starts to the white knuckle finishes. Horse racing is truly a ride unlike any other. One that the Pennsylvania Horse Racing Association intends to preserve in the Keystone State for years and years to come. From our breeders to track operators to you, the fan. PHRA is here to bring everyone together for the benefit of the sport we love and the majestic athletes we adore. Learn more about the PHRA's mission at PennHorseRacing.com. Brought to you by the Pennsylvania Horse Racing Association. 
Are you interested in learning more about owning standard bred racehorses? Do you want to experience the excitement of driving a standard bred? Owning a racehorse is a once-in-a-lifetime experience and not as difficult as you may think. The United States Trotting Association wants to help make your ownership dreams a reality. Contact a member of the Ownership Concierge team by email at owners at ustrotting.com or by calling 877-800-8782, extension 5555. Jimmy Freight is new to Ontario in 2020. Jimmy Freight is the richest and fastest son of sports writer and was the O'Brien 3-year-old called Pacer of the Year and won multiple stakes at ages 2, 3, and 4. And Jimmy Freight turns on the Jimmy Jet by a length and a half in 148-1. Jimmy Freight at 10-1 to to win the Dayton Pacing Derby. He stands his first season in 2020. For booking information on Jimmy Freight, please visit winbackfarm.com. Limited shares available. Go to winbackfarm.com. Join Harness Racing's hottest and most affordable fractional group, Winner's Circle Racing. Winner's Circle Racing provides the total harness racing experience from the barn to the paddock all the way to the Winner's Circle. Come invest with us and experience 100% of the thrills at a fraction of the cost. For more information, visit winnerscircleracing.net. That's winnerscircleracing.net. Here comes the charging MOA, charging hard at the 6-minute All right, that'll about wrap things up here on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America and the USDA. Special thanks to our guests here today, Jasmine Arnold, Dave Briggs, and Mark McKelvey. Uh, don't forget to uh, follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and we'll see you next week with the first post of 10.30 a.m. Good night, everybody. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.